Most people can't do that. They might say Jesus is Lord, but they quickly show that they do not live for him. So you can just write that off as not from the Holy Spirit to begin with. So we spent most of our time last week showing that that because Satan has counterfeited, and he, as he does, he counterfeits all good things, this, I think, comes into play with, when we have a discussion about the proper use of God's spiritual gifts to the church. Today we want to uh, go into what the nature of these gifts are. And it's, it's going to be many weeks that we're going to deal with these things. But to, to, to get an idea of what is a, what is a gift and perhaps what is not a gift, and to deal with the way that the, the Bible relates these things to us. But it is not only possible to mimic spiritual gifts under the influence of just sin or emotionalism or Satan himself, if, these, if the exercise of these gifts aren't specifically edifying the church, so they are of no use to us. And I don't think they fall under the categories of the gifts that we're going to look at today. But I had Jeffrey out of Romans as one of the passages to look at. And there's only three places really in Scripture where the gifts of the Holy Spirit are listed for us. So we'll look at, uh, well, two plus the, the, the first one. Uh, chapter 12 through 14 in the book of 1 Corinthians and read the other section. That's why I had you mention those. But we also saw, of course, last week that the Corinthians uh, were guilty of over-realized eschatology, not, not so much about the coming of the Lord and the future events, but believing that they had already arrived spiritually because they had these gifts. Some of them had these showy gifts of miracles or prophecies um, speaking in tongues, and so they felt that they had arrived. And if you don't, if you don't have those gifts, well, you're second class. You have, you're not where you should be. And of course, that's the spirit of, of, of what passes for a lot of the charismatic movement today. That it's yeah, you get the Holy Spirit, and you're not right there. You haven't been built the Holy Spirit. You're a second class Christian if you're a Christian at all. And there's a problem with that kind of thinking.
spiritual gift. He thinks supernatural ability. Sovereignly bestowed. Our text will make that clear. Sovereignly bestowed upon every Christian by the Holy Spirit, enabling him or her to carry out the divinely assigned function as a member of Christ's body and church. The second one is similar. I want you to think what what do these two things have definitions have in common because it's important. Spiritual gifts are the divine enablement which empower the Christian to worship God through serving him as a part of the church, the body of Christ. And so both of those clearly what brings those two together is that spiritual gifts enable someone to serve, serve the church, serve one another, and in so doing, as we serve the body of Christ, we are, by extension, serving Christ as well, right? And so, we just want to first of all notice that, because if you don't keep that in mind, you kind of lose what the point of what Paul is, why is he bringing all these things up, and it'll be made more clear even in chapter 13, where he says, if, if you don't love, if you don't have love, there's a motivation behind the gift, and it's a useless activity. And so in 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10, and we really won't get to those today because we will kind of go back and we will deal with uh, the, this, the gift of wisdom, the utterance of wisdom, the utterance of knowledge, and so forth, the healings. We'll deal with these uh, in subsequent weeks. But in those verses, Paul seems to focus on the more unusual gifts. In fact, when he lists gifts in the book of 1 Corinthians, they're mostly, you know, I don't say it in a disrespectful way, but they're the flashy ones, because they're, they're from the Holy Spirit. Tongues, healings, all those things, words of prophecies and knowledge were from the Holy Spirit to be used as Paul made great claim to edify. But those, those are the ones he's dealing with, because this is the one the Corinthians were struggling with, so he deals primarily with those. Um, in the other two places where gifts are mentioned, we see a different list because there's a different emphasis. And I think this is important. So just to remind ourselves what Romans 12 says, when you get down here to uh, verse 6, verse 6, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us read them in prophecy in proportion of our faith. Again, I think that is primarily a, a, a group of preaching, a of the word of God, uh, in one way or another. Um, if service, I think, and here's a here's Romans, which is a little bit different than what Paul talked about in First Corinthians, in service, in our serving, one of the gifts is, is serving. And uh, certainly that can take many forms, right? The one who teaches and is teaching, the one who exhorts and is exhortation, the one who contributes and generosity, the one who leads and feels, the one who acts. And these primarily are our ones of service because that's kind of the context that Paul is writing there in Romans chapter 12. But I love this list because it is a focus on what's really important. These are things that we need. We need people to preach the word of God. We can proclaim the word of God. That's the difference in the sense between preaching and teaching. All preaching is teaching, but not all teaching is preaching because there's a sense in which we need to have someone stand up and boldly proclaim, thus says the Lord, this is truth. 
bring God's word, but we need to be reminded that it's not it's not just learning from learning things. We need to hear be reminded that there is no other option. This is truth. This is this is from God. We, we don't take it or leave it. We submit to it. I kind of as you're interested in that. But that's what uh, Romans uh, deals with. Kind of the, the bread and butter gifts, right? That have always been the feces. All those gifts are certainly ones I believe still continue today. Remember the church meet. We did not have these many gifts, right? We'll talk maybe a little bit about some of those uh, even though the first Corinthians. Another uh, text is uh, Ephesians 19 and 40. This one on the text. Here he just briefly says that he gave the apostles the prophets, evangelists, and shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry to build the body of Christ. There you see he's primarily focused on the gifts of leadership and of the establishment of the church and the continuation of the church through preaching. So the leadership gifts. And then finally, First uh, Peter four, starting verse ten, and each has received a gift, use it to serve. One another as good stewards of God's very grace. And this again goes along with what Paul says here in our text, where the Holy Spirit gives very kinds of gifts, right? Whoever speaks, as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves, as one who serves by the strength of God's wise, in order that in, the every, in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. So they are going to see the purpose to Him belong glory to Him forever endeavor. So you see, again, these are. Serving gifts. And Paul notice here that in almost all those cases, they're not, none of them are the same. Some list some, there's a few things that are listed, listed in not every section, but many that are only listed in one section. Different order, right? And I think that's important for us to think through. And every listing of spiritual gifts, if tongues are included at all, it is always at the end. And as you notice, in the other three sections, they're not mentioned at all. In fact, really none of the signs are mentioned at all. And I think you can't just ignore that. You have to at least, I think you have to at least assume that the tongues are not high on the priority list when it comes to gifts. And I think that can also be said of feelings, miracles, and things like that. Well, and in words of knowledge, in the way that we'll look at that later on in our study. And I think it's a conclusion that many embrace. Now, there are some, and even some good, solid men who believe that all the gifts are for today still. And, you know, I, I again, doesn't mean I, I love some of these guys that I know, that I, that I listen to, the great preachers, have great ministries. Um, but they believe that all the gifts continue for today. Now, the funny thing I look at, or interesting thing, is that it, as far as I know, in their churches and in their ministry, uh, you don't ever see any. So you, there's no tongues going on, there's no healings. But they believe that, they don't believe the Bible teaches that they, they, they can. So I'm, I'm okay with that, you know. If you want to hold that view, and, I, and I'm not saying that, you know, obviously nobody believes in all the gifts that they did. So the gifts continue, but I do believe some have come to an end and are no longer needed. But again, some might 
disagree with that, but I think you can't just ignore the fact that in these the people who are solid biblically, you don't see it in their actual ministry because I believe you you that uh, come into great problems if you follow uh, that view, and I'll deal a little bit with that as we go through here as well. So anyway, just again to give you an idea of where I'm coming from. But we see here that these lists of spiritual gifts that just that it's never a complete gift uh, list. It, it's always incomplete. It varies, and I think there's a purpose, a reason for that, and that is that. Uh, we've got to be careful of saying, well, here, these are gifts and nothing else is. I mean, gifts or whatever is needed at the time. The Holy Spirit gifts somebody when it's needed. And uh, we, we need to be careful about saying, well, that's not really a gift. Because if it's edifying the church and the motivation is right, it's from the Holy Spirit, it's a gift, right? So I think that the fact that all these lists just kind of vary and are incomplete would lend itself to that idea. Now, the first there is the debate, as I've said, as to whether spiritual gifts were only given by the Spirit and therefore have no connection to natural abilities. That's that's one of the debates that there are. You know, and there are some who hold that a spiritual gift is not your natural talent; it's something extra that God that the Holy Spirit gives you. And I think that's creating problems that don't need to be there. I, I, I think there's a connection between often, not always. I think you know, I think the men who who are lost, you know, and God saves them and they were not speakers and uh, they weren't theologians, they weren't perhaps intellectual in some ways, and God gifts them and they uh, all of a sudden have a hunger and thirst for the word of God and they have the, the spirit comes upon them and they have the ability to stand up and to proclaim it. And, and, and not necessarily a natural ability, you know. You, you could trace it back to a natural talent, right? And so I don't discount the fact that sometimes the Holy Spirit comes on someone to enable them to do something that they would not or could not ordinarily do. That's all great. You know, I'm not, I don't want to ever hinder the work of the power of the Holy Spirit, right? But I, at the same time, I think it's pretty obvious that, that there are times where we have gifts and what makes it a spiritual gift is when God saves you, and now all of a sudden you take your abilities and He enables you to use that for the good of the church, to edify, to help. You had a gift of contribution we read about there in Romans, the gift of making money, or the, and the gift of generosity, the gift of being able to support the church. That very often that would be a natural, a talent or gift that God gave you that, that the lost people have. But when God Creates in you a, a love for the, the preaching of God's word for the local church and you have the ability to, the means to help support the local church in a way that goes with, way beyond what maybe the average person does. Well, that's a gift that, that the Holy Spirit has given you and created in you to be used for the church. And so, again, I, I think all that could be, uh, classified as a gift. You know, and there are those who would, who would probably maybe argue with that a little bit. You know, that's fine. Those are things we can, I guess, as long as God's work gets done, it's all good. The spiritual gifts are divine enablement or service to and through the body of Christ. Spiritual gifts are then are not given primarily for our own edification. Now, obviously, that's sometimes true. If I have the gift of 
teaching and preaching, I'm being edified through that as well. Right? So it doesn't mean it's only for service of others always, but it is always to serve and help somebody else as well with the church in, at large. And so spiritual gifts are divinely bestowed strengths through which we may minister to the weaknesses and the needs of others. And, and I think that should be obvious enough. But, but again, you just can't overemphasize that because if I stand up here while I'm preaching, and all of a sudden I start speaking in tongues, and that, you know, that, as, as the KJV says, unknown tongues, because in other words, it's just different languages, but it's unknown. And that, you know, so, in other words, we're, you don't understand what I'm saying. It might look impressive. You might think, boy, he's filled with the Holy Spirit. He must be something special, right? Whatever. But if you've been edified, that's what you've been edified. And, and I think that's what you have to keep in mind. Spiritual gifts are spiritual then, in that they produce spiritual results. And that's what again, I think you have a natural talent that once the Holy Spirit gets involved, it becomes something that produces good results for the church. Another thing to keep in mind is that they might come on certain at certain times for certain purposes and may not be something that you uh, can identify and use all the time. I, I think that's probably the exception. I think if someone has a gift, it's something that they would continue to use. But as I said before, Sometimes the Holy Spirit comes upon someone to do something when it's needed. And, and then he's not, he's not, it, 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 it doesn't continue to work that way. And it's all well and good too. Again, I think we ought to be careful about trying to make everything black and white because the Bible doesn't give us those kind of details. But I would say this, I think this is very important. And if you don't get anything else today, get this. Everyone, if you're saved, not if you're in the church, because, you know, church can be full of lots of people. But if you're saved, you have a spiritual gift. You have maybe multiple spiritual gifts. Because you have things that the Holy Spirit is enabling you to do for the good of others, to help them work along. So if you come to church, and this is, this kind of describes you, 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 you Come to church fairly regularly, maybe very regularly. You mumble through a couple of songs. Don't speak to anybody. You go home, do your thing, go the next point in time. Yeah, you're not being a blessing anymore. You're not exercising gifts. Because gifts do what? They edify, they build up the church. They give them encouragement. And that's and that's one that, you know, I don't have any gifts. Well, again, if you're, if all in your head you're thinking of are the big flashy ones, uh, generally ones that aren't even, uh, around anymore, uh, then I can understand your, your confusion. But if you understand that you don't have a gift, if I can encourage them, if I can just talk to them about the Lord, if I can listen to what they've got to say, how's your week go? What, what, is there, do you have a need? What can I do for you? You know, or you see a weakness and you can say, hey, I can fulfill that weakness and that need. It's a gift. You, you, you've got a gift from the Holy Spirit. Don't, you don't always think of it as a, a miraculous thing. 
Now, any any time we do anything good is a miraculous thing. You understand? If I love somebody else and find somebody else, it's because of the Holy Spirit. I understand that, right? But it's not miraculous in the in the sense of what we think of as miracles. It, it's it's just it's just what God, the Holy Spirit does in the heart of a believer. So before you can use a gift, though, you have to be able to interact with people. You can't just sit there and I don't want to talk to anybody, be close to anybody, and whatever. No, get to know people, get involved in their. We've talked about that before. Getting involved in somebody's life and letting people get involved in your life. And yes, all of our lives can be messy and have things that we just assume other people might know. But, but we can't help each other if we don't have some sort of relationship, right? So if you're not engaged in the local church, you, you might be attending, but you're not engaging in it, then you're probably not exercising any gifts. That's why, for instance, we have the men's and ladies' meetings. It's just an opportunity to, to uh, learn to get involved in each other, have some idea of what's going on, to be able to know how to pray for somebody. And so I can't assume that anyone who has little interest in others can possibly be used to bless the church through the spiritual gifts. <clears throat> but you have to be committed to Christ in the church. So the Corinthian church has been shortchanged by buying into the air that the really significant ministry occurs only in a very few saints. And of course, that's a problem that all churches tend to have. You know, a very few do most of the work, and there's just many who are content to let that happen and not be involved, and perhaps it's, it's, it's false sense that I, I have nothing to offer. If you truly have nothing to offer, you're not saved. Right? If you have not been regenerated, and, and you don't have the Holy Spirit, and, and you're just a hypocrite, well, yeah, you don't have anything to offer. But if you are saved, you have something to offer. I don't, I, there's only those two options that I'm aware of. So verses 4 through 6 through 7 are meant to knock down the, or out the props from under those who have this elitist view of spiritual gifts and ministry. Paul is contending here that the gifts of God are to equip the men and women for ministry, and it's a, uh, to, to borrow a term, for a many splendor thing. You know, it's very, notice what he says here, that there are very, a variety of gifts. It's not that it's just just the preacher has a gift, just the person who can play the piano has a gift. No, it, it, it just if you think about all the ones we've read today already, it can. There's just many gifts, many unnamed gifts, but anything that does to edify God's people. There are diversity of gifts. Verse four, diversities of ministries, and you know, there's different. Way these gifts uh, can be used, whether it be you know physical problems and needs for the church, the spiritual needs and people, different ways they are administered, and then they have a diversity of effects. In verse six, they they, they produce uh, good things, spiritual things, growth, help in, in meeting people's needs. And so in verse 4, basically because the uh, Corinthians were living in the flesh rather than the spirit in, in, in these, this area, they were using the gifts for selfish reasons rather 
than for God-ordained purposes, and this merely led to more and more worldliness. And again, because these were gifts of the Holy Spirit, I have to assume that those involved in this church were saved, even as they spoke in tongues and pride, perhaps. That they're saved, I don't, because I don't think, I don't think the Holy Spirit gives a gift to a lost person, and I'm not sure how that would work. So, so it's interesting. We can be gifted of the Holy Spirit as Bible-believing Christians who have trusted the Lord Jesus Christ and misuse our gifts. And if there's one way you misuse them is not to use them at all, or to use them in pride. Doesn't mean that they're not gifts. Doesn't mean that you're not a Christian. And, and these are things we want to be able to examine. Why, when I do things for people, why am I doing? Do I do things that I want to be seen? Others. And I want, I want that pat on the back. Doesn't mean that what you're doing is wrong and, and it can be effective, but it, it obviously is a problem there. You know, it's kind of taking away some of the, the benefit of it, especially in your life. So by reminding ourselves that all gifts come from the one God, as Paul deals with here, verses four through six specifically, um, as he kind of brings the Trinity into it, right? The Spirit, Christ, the Lord. God, the Father, we're reminded that they come from the Trinity to be used for the Lord, God Almighty. Um, so here's another test. Are the ones exercising them, using them for those purposes? The Lord has given us to glorify himself, these gifts, and to edify the church. And so they, if they're not producing that, then we know that they might be gifts, but they're not being used the right way. So you, you have some that aren't gifts at all, then you have uh, the true gifts that are not being used the right way. And so these three verses point out that the common source of all the gifts and imply that they are to be used to serve uh, the Godhead and then the church at large. So the gifts of these chapters are not the gifts of grace. When you think about this, the spiritual gifts, gifts of the Holy Spirit, we're not talking about the gifts at all Christians just have, in one sense, right? We all have the Spirit. That's not what is being talked about here. We all have eternal life. We all have regeneration. Those are gifts in a sense, right? Because it's all grace. But we're talking about gifts that are focused, that I use specifically to serve others. And I just want to, again, keep that in mind. It goes beyond just talents. Because there could be people who uh, can sing and play an musical instrument. Uh, and I don't think it's a gift, a spiritual gift, because they're just, uh, they don't, they're, they're hypocrites. They're not, maybe not Christian, or they're just lifted up in pride. And so I don't think, uh, that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about the Holy Spirit working to help the church. So, um, many of the ones that Paul deals with, are probably not things that we get today here in First Corinthians, but there are others that clearly we should seek. Uh, again, I'm going to say this because there is the idea that many will tell you you need to find your gift. I don't know how many times I've heard the churches say, "Okay, look, uh, maybe you've joined a church, and the person they're told is, okay, you need to find your gift and you need to uh, figure out what it is and start using it.'" All right, well, there's an element of truth to that. Um, but I, what, what sometimes happens is that 
I, you know, it's like, well, we have a smorgasbord of gifts, and you need to find the one that you like. See, ask God to give you this gift, or I want Lord, I want that gift. And I think that kind of puts unnecessary pressure upon people. What you need to do is say, what am I good at? What can I do? And maybe not even try to necessarily identify one, because you might have several. But instead of trying to figure out, well, you know, do I have the gift of singing? Should I join the choir? I mean, all that's fine. But what, what we need to worry about is look around. So I get to know people. And I, I say, hey, I can help there. I can, I can do that. I can teach. Santa could use a Sunday school teacher. We need, we need to have two classes. And, and I have to think that maybe there's something in the church who can say, you know what, I have the gift to sit down and to be patient with these uh, young, uh, precious souls and uh, teach them to help out. I don't think I have that gift. You know, even if I have a passive gift of teaching, I don't think I've been gifted to sit down with uh, nursery school kids or maybe kids who are, you know, beginning grammar school and all that and be effective with them, right? And it's not a gift that I probably have, but if you've got that, you see a need and you say, Lord willing, Lord, I want to fill that need, there you're identifying a gift, I think, and uh, being used. And so, again, just some things to think about. Um Gift of edification, mercy, encouragement. It's something that we all, those are, those are the sense, there's some gifts I think we all should be seeking. Because that's just part of being a godly person is you should be loving, obviously you should encourage, you should be merciful, you all want to give to the church. So some of those will all have extra, some gift, but probably when you've got someone who, you know, they're just, they're good at that. There are some people that walk into a place they just are encouraging. You know, you just like to be around them. They, they, they're quick to pat you on the back. There are just some people that are just, they've got a gift, right? We, we use that term. And I think that it's appropriate in the local church. I remember one of them we used to work with. We used to come in the, you know, about uh, 4.30 at the store there. And she was lost. She was in a Christian place. But, but she was just always happy. And, and I, you know, I'd, I'd wake up, you know, 4.30, whatever, get up, go to work. And I wasn't like, it, I wasn't like mad or anything, but I just wasn't, ju- you know, ju- jumping around with a smile on my face. And she, she was just bouncing around, walking around, and smiling, how you doing, Nathan, and blah, blah, blah. And I, you know, and, and of course, at first, I'm thinking, this is kind of irritating. But, but, but eventually, we're going to think, no, I should be like that. I mean, there's no, there's no reason as a Christian, someone who knows the Lord, who knows where I'm going when I die, right? Who has everything to live for. Why, why would I walk around, you know? And, and so it, it spoke to me. And, and she wasn't even a safe person. But I think there are people in the church, right? I know Christians like that who, they just, you know, are helpful. That they encourage. And so I think those are things that we can pray for. And seek. And there's some gifts that, you know, if, if you can't carry a tune, there's no sense I don't think asking the Lord to give you the, the gift of music, singing, or whatever. It's not going to happen. But, so I think that's, again, there's a connection sometimes to our natural talents and certainly with some certain gifts. So be careful about being pressured into identifying your gifts ahead of time. 
uh, and once you've got it, this is it, and, and then and nothing ever changes because you know gifts might come, gifts might go. Uh, you might have many, and not to be careful about kind of tying yourself into one thing. And so, like, like we saw there in Romans, let me just back up here. In Romans here, I think it's possible to see a clear difference between the enhancement of natural gifts to be used for the church and the ones that were given the Corinthians so many problems that still do today in some places. You see, you know, the one who contributes in generosity. In other words, you know, I think you're speaking to the motivation. You might have a lot of money and you might be giving it to the church, but you're not giving it for the right reason and, and, and you're not so, you're losing in that. Uh, but you got Deal, you know, you got these different things. Uh, and then there's some people that didn't just have those gifts. But notice here that Paul doesn't deal with the ones that the Corinthians were struggling with. Because those, the, the things about the, the sign gifts are those were clearly ones that came upon somebody in the moment. Right? If someone's speaking in tongues, it wasn't because they just happened to be good uh, in languages, right? There are some people who are just gifted in language. They can learn several languages and they just have that gift. Well, no. Tongues was when God gave them uh, somebody the revelation that they were to speak and no one was, was to use it unless there was an interpreter, which was another gift, right? Those gifts weren't ones where I'm looking at the kind of talents I have, what opportunities I have. That just came upon them. So those are different. And I think that's one reason why I don't see those things continuing on today. So I think it's one thing to have a natural talent. It's another thing to be gifted by the Holy Spirit to use that talent effectively in the church. And so, you know, take that for what it's worth. I think it gives maybe some things just to think through, think about in your situation. Uh, We've all got talents. I cannot use my talent if I don't get involved with other people, involved in the church, right? It's been time with people. So all those things are necessary, for, I think, for us to be able to uh, use our talents properly. Now, the big issue, and I'll close with this, in these three chapters will be whether some of these gifts were sign gifts that were given primarily to the apostles and a few others during the apostolic age to establish the church in the faith, and then they were removed once we had the full revelation, once everybody understood what the gift of the Holy Spirit was, what the gospel was, and we had that the, the canon was completed, we no longer needed, uh, first of all, miracles to prove that there was a change was taking place, that the, that the gift the Holy Spirit had been given, or and we don't need a revelation because we already have revelation. We don't need any new revelation, right? So the reasons for those sign gifts, and that's why we call them a sign gift, is because we no longer need someone to stand up and speak to us, the Holy, the Holy Spirit speak to us, some word, some revelation, something, because we've already got the word of God. So if you want to stand up and quote God's word, go ahead, right? Because that's what I need. I, I don't need any extra thing. And because once someone says, I have a word from God, that I have this gift of revelation where the Holy Spirit's come upon me and has given me a word to you, there's only one conclusion. 
Now that guy has been inspired that that's the gospel truth, and that whatever he says, that's got to be uh, the truth. But of course, the problem with that is that now you have no uh, some uh, objective truth standard anymore. You don't. You have here's truth. Now you've got people standing up and saying, "Well, here's also some truth." But didn't quite get inspired the first time, and now you've opened floodgates, right, to all sorts of problems. And so, uh, that, that I just think there's no way around that, and I think that's caused so many problems in, in those groups that have been involved in that. So, um, that's going to be my position: that uh, gifts that are no longer needed, we don't need anyone to prove that. We are in the new covenant, right? That, that when the Holy Spirit was given, that was the promise of the Old Testament. And the, what proved that somebody had the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts, initially, was speaking in tongues. It was, in some cases, the uh, dealings that the apostles approved that the apostles' message was true. Once the church understood that and accepted that, and once everything that God wanted to have in the Word of God was inspired to the apostles. What's the need? What's the need for those things? Part and parcel with a lot of people who are in the charismatic movement is that we still have the gift of apostleship, which is just leads to all sorts of errors. No, there's only the only that first generation ever saw Christ and learned from Christ directly, and they were used to establish the truth. God commissioned them to do it, not subsequent people, uh, many of them women, throughout church history. You know, it, doesn't, it doesn't work that way. So, again, if we just stop and let the Bible speak to us, I think we'd save ourselves from a lot of uh, problems that have plagued the church. Uh, and not just in this age, not just over the last hundred years or so, but has plagued the church probably for 2,000 years here and there. Let me stop there today. Are there any questions or comments?